continuing in our study of um, discipleship and um, our, oops, get this on. Is it not? Is it working? Ah, there we go. Uh, all right. Uh, now I'm lost. <laughs> We're studying, uh, oops, it went too far. Is there something wrong? It's okay, I'll just keep going with this. Uh, we're talking about uh, transformation. We're talking about this area that we believe that, that Jesus has called, our, called each one of us to be more than what we are now. That, um, that actually, he's not content uh, to leave us where we are. And we're not content with that either. Even if, if our life is doing well, we're not content with where we are now. We believe that God wants to continue to transform us with power to make us the people that God wants us to be. And God has directed us to place our focus of ministry on two uh, needful groups in our community. That's single parents and foster kids and families. And we're excited to see how God's going to be continuing to, to open those doors uh, for the gospel. I mean, these are things that we haven't really... Um, haven't really that much experience yet. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we really believe that God's going to do a great work as we present ourselves before him. And last week we saw that, that training is an integral part of transformation, that we must not just uh, try to be more like Jesus. Is this going automatically or how's it working? Is it working? Oh yeah, it's working. All right. <laughs> um, spiritual growth doesn't just happen, but it requires hard work. It requires deliberate decisions on our part. I hope that, that all of us were, were doing our following up on our 11131. It was a long word, 11131 training. Uh, but it's the specific, you know, really praying once a week, memorizing theme verse, really doing those things to say, this is what God has, has called me uh, to do, to work with him to see these changes in our lives. And if we do this, we do this not just like I'm gonna grind this out, but we do this in faith, believing that God's gonna change and transform this particular area in our life. It may be a stronghold in our life that, that we've been praying about for a long time or discouraged about, and we really gonna say, we're gonna this year just pray that God will break through and, and bring that freedom and bring that power. So really, again, uh, if you haven't uh, done this or you don't have the picture, go ahead and take the picture. Remind yourselves that this is what God is calling. And we're, today we're gonna be looking at another aspect of God's transformation. That's the role of suffering in transformation. How hardship is, is part of the process uh, of God's transformation. Now, this is, this is difficult. I mean, we, we know that becoming a Christian doesn't spare us from the struggles and the suffering in life. You know, we still experience the pain of broken relationships. We still experience uh, the visiting of, of illness and loss. Uh, we still deal with the consequences sometimes of our bad choices or even other people's bad choices and injustice. We can't escape this reality because just simply because we're a new creation in Christ. However, what God does do is God redeems these experiences, these struggles, and, and he, he, he uses them for his sovereign purpose. Uh, a theologian and writer, Peggy Reynoso, writes this. She says, being a follower of Jesus, for the follower of Jesus, no suffering is without meaning in our formation in Christ. All humanity suffers as a result of the fall. But for the believer, God in his grace enters into the pain of suffering to comfort and to shape us 
into the image of Christ. She goes on to say this. She says, because suffering affects us deeply, it can also be profoundly transformative, giving us opportunities for knowing our inmost selves, deepening our experience of intimacy with God, and growing in Christ-likeness. I mean, indeed, pain and suffering, it's a very profound experience. We always come away from it different. And, and, and God can use it to make us uh, just, just powerful in Jesus Christ, in what he wants to do in our lives. See, it's not that God is not able to protect us. God is a powerful God. He could insulate us from all the hardships and suffering in this world if he wanted to. But his will, he has chosen these experiences for a greater good, for a deeper change, for a significant joy that, that the world will see but will not understand sometimes. If you're here today and you're suffering uh, some form of injustice or some struggle or, or you're fearful, I, I, I hope that, that in these words we will find a renewed hope and encouragement uh, in, in the love of Jesus Christ this morning. So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And let's stand in reverence for the word of God. Here's a word of God from 1 Peter. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. From this passage, we're going to see that often God's greatest work of spiritual transformation occurs in times of, of suffering. It's in these times where, 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 where God visits his immeasurable grace upon our lives, in times when, when we, we feel like you know, there's no hope or I have no more strength, then God amazes us that he, he can take some situations that we're like, what in the world why is this happening? How can this turn out for anything good? God is so amazing that he can even take these situations and, and, and where there would be opportunities of, or causes of regret and bitterness for others, uh, for us, uh, they would be opportunities, they would become opportunities actually to, um, to praise God, to thank God for his goodness, for his wisdom. You know, and this is not just a, a theoretical, you know, feel-good philosophy. This is, this is the story of Christianity throughout the ages. It is a testimony that goes on from century after century of a people who have experienced suffering upon suffering and yet continue to this day, not just to endure persecution, but to thrive in persecution all over the world and to continue to bring the glory of Jesus Christ in all the dark places. So first we want to address the question, simple question, why is there suffering? Uh, if you look at 1 Peter, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, now again, Paul's speaking to a church that was being persecuted for their faith. There were some great uh, injustices, um, 
uh, believers were, were losing their possessions, they were losing loved ones, they were losing their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And Paul addresses that, or Peter addresses them as beloved. Uh, you are loved by God. Um, you, you are loved by someone who is acquainted with suffering, who are sacrificing for Jesus' sake. And he says, do not be surprised at this. Meaning, you know, we can say, why is this happening? But we can't say, I wasn't expecting this. Why? Because Jesus made it very clear that in this world, this world is filled with injustice and suffering because of the curse of sin. The Bible, sin is not just individual acts of disobedience. Sin is actually a condition of the entire world. Romans says that, Paul says, that the sin entered the world through Adam and it brought death with it to reign on the earth, that the wages of sin in all of its forms is death in all of its manifestations in this world. Yet through, through Jesus, his blood, uh, he redeems us from the curse of sin, yet we still live in a world that reflects this curse. Romans 8 says that all creation suffers, even creation itself suffers hurt and damage, erosion and death and decay uh, uh, because of the curse of sin. And until Christ returns, that all of the world is still um, suffering under this darkness of evil. But God promises that for followers of Jesus Christ, we have hope. Why? Because for the follower of Jesus Christ, God redeems our suffering. What this means is that God takes our natural experiences of suffering and uses it as a supernatural force for spiritual transformation in our lives. He uses it to change us. Again, Renola puts it this way. She says, spiritual transformation often occurs if we want spiritual transformation, it occurs in the refining crucible of suffering. Our inmost selves are revealed in affliction. And as we learn to commit ourselves more deeply to the redemptive purposes of God, we grow in our capacity to exercise faith, hope, and love in the midst of trials and tribulation and troubles. And she says, finally, God uses adversity to shape our souls, and thus to spread. Did I? And thus to spread the aroma of Christ. Now, God uses adversity to shape our souls, meaning that there are certain unique things that happen in the midst of suffering that can never happen in times of peace, in times of ease. Now, I may not know all the things that you are going through right now, and we may not know that. But we do know that we have confidence that even now in our suffering, that God is bringing about something very beautiful. So the next question is how? How is suffering uh, an important part of discipleship, of transformation? Well, I wanna look at three things from this passage. Uh, first of all, suffering creates an increased intimacy with God. Secondly, suffering creates a deeper dependence upon God. And third, suffering creates a living hope. So uh, as we look at these things, but before we go into all these things, I do also want to give a warning that suffering in the Christian life can also create the exact opposite of all three of these things. Uh, suffering can uh, cause us to be more separate from God. Uh, it can cause us to live with a, a deeper independence 
from his goodness. And, and, and it can lead to a growing sense of hopelessness if we choose, if we choose that way. See, suffering in the Christian life presents every person with a momentous choice. It's like a crossroad in the spiritual life. It's a sense where our choice in the midst of suffering will set us on a course, whether it's towards God or away from God. And so having said that, let's look at how a disciple, how suffering affects the life of a disciple. So the first thing we see is that suffering brings a deeper intimacy with God, with Jesus. When I think of intimacy, I think of connection, closeness, a sharing that like, you know, your best friend, your best of friends, like the connection that they have. It's like, you know, they, 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 they know what you're feeling. They know they can finish your sentences before you even, you know, speak them out. They, they truly understand what you're going through. And there's a real sense of intimacy and closeness about that. And we have people like that in our lives. At some point in our lives, um, it's kind of like if you've been through this experience, when you share uh, this experience even of suffering, it builds that intimacy. For example, uh, things like uh, for brothers in arms uh, who have shared and served together in war, uh, they feel that bond. For classmates who, who, who share uh, the struggle of higher education. And you know, some of, we were talking about this and saying, you know, some of us guys we were saying, you know, where were our closest friends? And we said, well, our closest friends were all during college. Why was that? Well, because we were sharing this experience together of suffering and struggle and breaking up with a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we shared those experiences together and suffered together. And that's what kind of brought us closer and connected us together. Or, or other things that bring us together is when um, two people both have lost someone that they love. And they say, well, we share this bond of, of intimacy, of understanding, because we understand and share this suffering together. See, in 1 Peter, uh, verse 12, Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you as though something were strange to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. Paul says, rejoice that you share in Christ's sufferings. The word share here is the word koinonia. And, you know, for some of us, we know what koinonia means. That means fellowship, right? Fellowship means what? You share something in common. When Christians, when we, uh, we have something that the world does not have, we have Jesus in our lives, what is that called? We have fellowship with one another. When a believer, uh, uh, when they experience suffering in this life, suffering that, that, that Jesus suffered as well, then we have fellowship with Jesus, an intimacy that is born out of suffering. Same word as, as, as the word communion, to have communion with Jesus, to be joined intimately with Jesus uh, because we're not just going through some random hardship, we're really sharing in the suffering of Christ. I mean, if you really think about it, if Jesus is known as a man of sorrows, if his greatest act was the sacrifice of his life, if what we most identify with Jesus is the, the symbol of the cross, how can we draw near to such a person if our lives are always easy and free from suffering? If we really want to know Jesus, to grow close to him in friendship and relationship, the road to intimacy is through suffering.
Suffering and suffering, we understand the love of Jesus Christ. We really understand what his love is all about. We really understand what it means to obey the Father. We, we, we understand what it means to, to walk in the power of God's spirit. We understand the heart of Jesus, his life. When we go through suffering, because we see that was so much a part of all the things that he was doing in this world, we will never fully understand Jesus because he is the unique son of God. But I believe that suffering brings us the closest ever in this world in terms of connection and intimacy with the life of Christ. When, um, when Rita uh, first ex started experiencing her struggles with um, anxiety, uh, that's my wife, she, it was difficult for me to understand. I mean, I knew she was suffering. She described it to me. I actually read the books she was reading to understand, you know, what is anxiety, how does it feel, and, and what is it about, what cause. I learned about the brain function, what's going on in the brain. Uh, when, when, you, you, when you're struck with anxiety. Um, she would describe it to me. I felt compassion, I felt sadness every time she struggled with it. But there was always a um, disconnect because I could not enter into that suffering. I didn't know what it felt like. For example, there were certain things that would bother her that didn't bother me. Like a loud noise, a sudden noise would, would really shake her. And she would say, don't slam the door. Don't, you know, when, you, when I drop something by accident, she's like, oh, why'd you do that? And, and, she, and it would really uh, shake her. Um, and I would understand, she would tell me that these things trigger anxiety. And she would tell me how it would feel inside, but I could never um, feel it and understand it. But I would walk around the house and try to say, okay, I'm going to make sure that when I, those automatic, the doors that automatically close in the garage, I'm just going to make sure that it doesn't slam. Um, when I'm, you know, putting my dishes in the, in the uh, sink, that I'm not dropping it in to make a loud noise. And um, I tried really hard to make, not make a lot of now, loud, sudden noises because Rita was saying that it bothered her, it hurt her. Um, but I never understood um, how that felt. And there were times when I was like, oh, you know, it's, you know, if I drop a plate by accident and she's bothered, and I'm like, oh, you know, oh, this is a, this is a, a burden to, to be very careful about this, be careful about the door. I always stick my foot out before the door slams and doesn't make noise. And so I'm thinking, I know I should do this. I know that it causes her anxiety. I don't know how it feels. I don't know what it's like, but I know that these things are things that I should do. Well, when I suffered my concussion, um, for the first time, I experienced like anxiety full on. And it was like a, suddenly a flash of, of insight into our relationship and this part of Rita's life that was always separate from me. And for the first time, I really understood. Because when I'm lying in bed and, and Lauren's in the, in the uh, kitchen and she slams the, uh, uh, the, 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 the cupboard, I would like, you know, suddenly like someone's attacking me. I'm seriously, the, the anxiety, you know, when I talk about it, it sounds funny, but when you're sitting there and the anxiety, it's like someone was trying to attack you and you're suddenly like, and, and, and you can't calm down. It's like I was, I was lying in bed peacefully trying to sleep and I was just getting to the edge of sleep and the door slammed and suddenly my whole body, like 
not just my mind, but everything, my muscles, uh, my emotions, everything was on complete alert, like someone was going to attack me. And then to try to calm down, I couldn't calm down. And I'm sitting there going, I can't calm down. You know, I can't cause my body to, 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 to slow down. And this is, drive, this is really hard, just from one slamming of the, of the cupboard. And, and suddenly, at that time, I begin to realize, this is how my wife feels. This is why when I, you know, have to put my foot out to make sure that the door doesn't slam behind me. Why when I put my plate in the, um, in the, the, the sink that I don't drop it in there and make a loud noise. Because, um, because now I know what it feels like to have those things trigger this, 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 this rush of fear actually. And how it takes so long then to, to calm down, literally like an hour to just calm the body back down again. And then if something else happens again, it's like, oh. And literally taking an hour to just calm the body back down. Now, thank God, you know, for me, just recovering from the concussion and from medication, it's not as bad. But, but, but physically, I know that, that because of this accident, you know, there are things about me that will never be the same physically. They're never going to be the same. Um, but the one good thing that I'm very thankful for, even for that moment in time when, when, when I wasn't able to find the medication yet, there was this deep connection and intimacy that I shared with my wife that, that, I, that I longed to share and understand. And, and I could not have experienced it without suffering. Without suffering, without sharing in the suffering that she felt. When we suffer, we understand the love of Jesus. We understand why Jesus loves the way that he loves. We, we understand why he hates sin so much and why he would give everything to, to save people from, from, from the consequences of sin because we understand the, the suffering because we were connected with Jesus Christ and his heart um, through the shared experience of suffering through the intimacy that, that, that comes through sharing in the, in, in the sufferings of Christ. The second thing that suffering does is it, it, it deepens our dependence upon God. See, now, um, dependence is not natural for most of us. You ever do those, like, team-building skills where, like, you have to jump off a roof backwards or something and, you know, catch you, like, this person, he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> right? But, you know, for the person leaning backwards, it's like, it's, it's kind of a scary thing. It's not like, oh, feels good. You know, it's like, oh, you know, kind of like this. It's not, it doesn't feel good. It's not natural to us to depend on someone else. Um, so we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to do it when life is comfortable. We're not going to do it when everything is easy. And so it stands to reason that when we want to learn or God wants to teach us how to depend on God, um, we're not going to, it's not going to be through just having an easy life. 
and having all our problems solved. You turn to Romans chapter five too, and uh, Paul says here, he says, through him, uh, we have, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace by which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only do this, we rejoice in our sufferings, for we know that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In this passage again, we see this word, rejoice, connected with suffering. And here we get this sense that suffering actually uh, produces something that wasn't there before. That Paul says that it creates something that would not be there if it were not for suffering. And he identifies three areas. He says that it produces endurance, character, and hope. And I wanna talk a bit about character. What is character? The word character actually is the word which means proof that something is real. That's what it means in the Greek. Proof that something is real. And so there's this emphasis, are we saying that, that, that our faith, um, our trust in God when it's part of our character, then we know that it's not just our words or our intent or our, like, I, 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 that's what I, I want to feel. I mean, it's, it's real. There's proof of it. I can see it. I can feel it. People can see it. And see, character is like saying, do I really, um, do you really trust God? Or just saying you do. Do I really, really trust God in, in these areas of my life? Or am I just saying that I do, thinking that I do? See, suffering burns away um, our disguises, right? It burns away our, our deceptions. It, it, when, our word is falling, when our world is falling apart, all the facade that we have built around us of, of this you know, joy and confidence starts to, to, to break away. And, 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 and the things that we have hidden inside uh, uh, start coming out and we start realizing, you know, here is my weakness. Here is who I really am. Suffering is saying to us, um, you have to jump. And you have to jump now if you really believe that God is going to catch you. See, suffering cuts away from all of our illusions. It brings us face to face with our weakness, with the, with the end of our strength. And we really cry out to God. And we realize that, God, I really need you. I really do need to jump off this, 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 this security of the world that I've been holding on to. Refining, uh, suffering has a way of refining us and, and bringing out those weaknesses. If God really wants to change something in our life, we, gotta even, we just got to even, first thing, admit that we have these problems. A lot of times we're so in ease and, and in, in good times, we're like, I'm good, you know, everything's good. I don't need, you know, a God, when, when I need you, when things are, are tough, I'll, 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 I'll call you, but we think everything's good. But when suffering comes, we start realizing, oh, you know, there's a part of me, there's some things that came out that God really needs to work on. They always say, you know, you never really know a person until you really see them in suffering and these things start coming out and you're like oh I didn't know that I had anger like that I really need to deal with that I didn't need I didn't realize that I was actually so selfish and suffering brought that out and made me realize that this is an area that I really need to begin to surrender to God suffering is really what makes character. 
to say what we believe is real. We can say, well, I know God will provide and I trust him in that, but this promise becomes real. When? When we're laid off. And then we say, do I really trust that God will provide? I have two kids going to college. I just lost my job. This is the worst time to lose it because the economy is not so good. And we say, well, but do I really trust God that he will provide? We know that our children in God's hands and we, we dedicate our children and say, God, they belong to you and we want uh, you to make them whatever you want them to be. And we say that and we mean that in our hearts. But when our children start making decisions that we don't like, then we start saying, do I really trust God? When they start suffering for the choices that they make and, 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 and we can't do anything but just watch and and pray, and it just drives us crazy, and we're so afraid for them, and we're so worried about them. That's when we sit down and say, God, do I really believe that you love my son, that you love my daughter? Am I really going to surrender them to do what you want to do in their lives, to let them become what you want them to be? even if it means going through these things to get there. We know we need to make the most of every opportunity for our days are numbered, but that command doesn't become real until what? We experience illness, we get sick. I'm at an age where I've watched some of my peers and they pass away because of natural causes. And that's very sobering to me. That suddenly the idea of, of making the most of every opportunity because the days are short um, now becomes so real. See, suffering, suffering takes our, our beliefs, takes God's truth, makes them more than words and ideas and makes them real. It says this is the proof that this is real. This is the character that, that, that suffering produces. I mean, you can't, um, you can't sit on the fence, Right? In suffering, you gotta make a choice. You can't walk away from suffering and say, you know, everything's okay, I don't mind. I'll, I'll wait until you know, later to, 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 to deal with these things or to, to trust in God. No, suffering says, you gotta trust in God right now. You have to make a decision about God right now. You have to make a decision about your faith right now. And it, it puts aside all the, well, you know, in times of ease, I can deal with it later. I don't have to, it's not a big deal, things like that. Suffering says, okay, this is important. This is something God wants me to do. This is what, what God uh, uh, begins to, to wake us up. The third thing that suffering brings in our life is living hope. Suffering creates a living hope. Now, living hope is more than just hope. Hope is something that I know is going to happen in the future, but living hope is the confidence that, that the confidence of the, future, of the future gives me power right now. It, it makes a change of how I live and how I perceive the things that are going on and how I respond to everything right now because of what I know is going to happen in the future. Living hope uh, means, yes, I see my suffering and in light of what I know of the future, this is how I'm gonna respond. From, again, Romans 5.3 says, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. What this means, it's not saying, you know, hope, when, when he says hope does not put us to shame, he's saying that, that hope 
um, it's saying God will never fail. He's saying that, that, that if we trust in God in our times of suffering and we really hold on to his word and, and God says, okay, now's the time to jump. Now's the time to jump off of that roof. God, God says, I will never fail. I will never fail to catch you. That if you, if you do the things that, 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 that you know you should do, even in times when, when it feels like the worst time to do it right now, God says, I will never fail to, to fulfill my promises and to show you that that was the good and right thing to do. You will always, hope will never disappoint. God will never disappoint. God will never uh, put us to shame. He will never fail to catch us. He will never fail to show that, um, that, 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 that honoring Jesus Christ brings great reward and brings great hope. When our marriage is falling apart, when our world is crumbling, when we feel like there is nothing left, and there is no one left. God says, I will never, I will never fail you. Every promise, every promise that I make will be fulfilled. When the time is right, if you trust me, I will never fail you. I will always catch you. See, suffering in this world leads us to trust God. And the more we trust God, the more he proves himself faithful. We'll see that if we trust him. The more he proves himself faithful, the more we're confident to trust him even more. And then we continue to trust him. And then God proves himself more faithful. And then God, we become more confident in trusting. And this is how God uses suffering and struggle to bring spiritual transformation, profound spiritual transformation in our lives. Without suffering, without loss, um, we would never even be a part of this cycle. We would be trusting in our own strength. We would be living under this lie that, that I, everything's good and I only need God uh, in extreme cases and exceptional situations uh, when I'm finally over my head, but you know, I could take care of everything. I don't really need God. It's only in times of suffering and sometimes severe suffering that God brings us back and says, God wants to prove himself faithful. If we want to know that God is faithful, um, we have to trust him. If we never trust him, we will never know how faithful God is. That's what suffering does. And finally, as we think about suffering, God does his most powerful work. And this is the hope that we have. This is what hope really means. This is the hope that does not disappoint. That, 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 that we're going to be more confident in, in, in the faithfulness of God. We're going to experience the faithfulness of God even deeper and more, richer in our lives because of some of the suffering and struggles that I might be going through right now. And finally, it, as we suffer, it, it gives us a great opportunity to bring the gospel to our generation. As others witness our struggles and our faith, as others see God's grace in our hope, 
they will know that what we believe is not just what we say, but that there's proof that our hope is real, that Jesus is real. And that proof will be seen in a workplace, in our neighborhood, in our families, wherever the gospel needs to go. That's what suffering will do. Now, I know that with all these things that we receive from God's word, it doesn't make it any easier to endure suffering when we, when we go through it. And so I, I do want us to, to close this time to just really pray, to pray for one another. And let's go ahead, let's bow our heads in prayer. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call, we have some prayer warriors that are gonna come to the front and come to the side.